coming up on the Carnivore Yogi podcast. You know, I'll always, um, when I share, when I go to meetings, I share my journey. I am a sugar addict that became an alcoholic and a nicotine mm. addict because I think we should talk about that and not say alcoholism, drug addiction, yes. pill addiction, nicotine addiction. That's very dangerous because there is nobody that has one outlet today. We have addiction interaction disorder. And one thing you have to know, and I wrote that in my first book, 2004, that I see that alcoholics have sugar addiction before alcohol from childhood. Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. This is episode five, and today's conversation was so much fun. I talked with Bitten Johnson. She's a registered nurse and a trained expert on food addiction who specializes in helping people to break free of unhealthy attachments from foods such as sugar and processed carbohydrates. So if you haven't guessed it already, we definitely talk about how a keto diet or a carnivore diet that is high in fat can really help people who are struggling with food addiction. She has developed a self-diagnosis test, which really helps clients to learn if they're suffering from harmful use or addiction. And we really go into depth in this episode about addiction, about food addiction. There are so many nutritionists and experts out there that are saying food addiction is not a thing. And I really do beg to differ. We really did break it down in this episode. So I hope you have a lot of aha or me too moments because let's face it, Food addiction can be extremely isolating, so a lot of what I want to continue to do with this podcast and with this platform is to help people feel, number one, like they're not so alone, but then number two, to provide resources. So I will absolutely make sure that Bitten Johnson's information is linked in the show notes below this video so that if you do want to seek help, if you do want to search her out after this episode, you'll be able to do that. Today's episode is going to be sponsored by Thrive. Now, I know I owe you guys an update video on my YouTube channel. I am working on it, but I just did a second Thrive test in January. My first one was in October. This is a gut microbiome test, and what it will do is show you what's going on in your gut, the levels of good bacteria, levels of bad bacteria. And the cool thing that I found out with my first Thrive test was that I've had weight loss resistance for most of my life and that gut microbiome test pinpointed and said, yes, you have a hundred percent chance of being weight loss resistant. So in the video I'm going to be working on for you guys, I did have an improvement since that last test in October. My January test showed that I did have an improvement just by following a carnivore diet and adding in some probiotic supplements and a couple of other things, which I will talk about again in that YouTube video. But if you're interested in just checking out to see the state of your gut microbiome, this Thrive test is really, really helpful. So you can use my link, which is www.trythrive.com backslash carnivore yogi to get 50% off of your test. And it's a good thing to just do just to see where you're at. And so thank you Thrive for sponsoring this video. Again, head over to my YouTube channel. I'll link it in the show notes and I will be working on that video to update you guys, but there it's good news. It's a good news video. So I hope you guys do enjoy this conversation I had with Bitten Johnson. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. If you have a moment, please head on over to Apple 
leave me a review and five stars if you can spare it. I would appreciate that so much. We can help get this message out to other people who might be struggling with food addiction or other issues and just need a resource. So thanks again for tuning into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, you guys, thank you so much for coming back. I am very excited about today's guest. Um, She is a registered nurse. She is an author and she has quite a bit of experience with addiction. Um, Someone who we're going to talk today about a lot of things, I'm sure. But one thing that I really love that she talks and advocates about is just the addiction is this one thing um, that, you know, it could be alcohol, it could be food or shopping. It's, it's, it's so many things. And so I wanted to bring her here to really discuss these things with you. So if you wouldn't mind just introducing my audience to yourself a a little bit more in depth. Well, my name is Bitten Johnson and I live in the middle of Sweden by the Baltic in a small village at Nibunis and I love that. I'm a nature lover, always been. And uh, I'm 68. So, you know, uh, I have had uh, many years behind me, of course, and done a lot. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, first I became a nurse and, you know, I was one of those functioning alcoholic hiding mm-hmm. it like crazy. And then uh, I ended up in treatment in California and I'm forever grateful, forever grateful mm-hmm. to my ex-husband that forced me in there. I hated him at the moment. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hate him, but you know, I, I didn't understand. I was, I mean, I was terrified. I was in shame. I was in pain. And the strange thing in my treatment, you know, uh, was that in the same building, there was like different, uh, you know, wards type thing. And I was in one with the alcohol and cocaine uh, addicts and uh, drug addicts and all that. I was in that. But there was one right beside us where there were uh, really, really obese people, Mm. you know, very sick, extremely obese and anorexics. Mm-hmm. and normal weights and i could not for my life this is 1985 you know yeah how come they are in the same ward and you know they said well you know they have a common problem with food so you know that's the first time i sort of connected anything with food in that way but i forgot about that after going into recovery and leaving mm-hmm. until i had been sober for seven years and I was listening to Terry Gorsky. I love his book, Staying Sober, because it taught me so much about relapse prevention, mm. which is a favorite topic for me to teach. So anyway, I read the book. I listened to Terry. He came to Sweden. And, and he said that alcoholics and drug addicts, they keep drinking a lot of coffee, eating junk food and smoking. They're going to relapse. Mm. And as a nurse, I thought, well, wait a minute. What's the connection? You know, I started to be very interested in biochemistry and, you know, the brain and all that. So what's the connection with that? And, you know, he said, well, of, course, of course, it stresses the brain and junk food is not the proper nutrition for building a brain. Mm. But I kept forgetting that, too. I kept going working and, and so but I went home and quit smoking. Yeah. And then I used to tell people that I have chocolate so- sauce up to my ears. So that's how this all started with me working with sugar and food. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that if you, and a lot of people know I am in recovery and I have been for 11 years, not sober the whole time. But if you go to a recovery meeting, what do they have there? They have a smoking section outdoors now. Thank goodness it's outdoors, but they have a smoking section, but then they have the coffee 
and the donuts. Yeah, coffee and donuts. Yes. Everyone smokes outside and it's part of the whole social thing of a recovery meeting. And it's like, no one really questions it. You know, people getting up to get four cups of coffee during a meeting and it's like, well, okay, we're just not drinking and we're not doing the drugs and everything, but (laughs) I feel very sad seeing that because I also see that they become obese. They get diabetes type two, they get all kinds of inflammatory illnesses, uh, chronic pain illnesses and arthritis and, you know, all kinds of illnesses, which is of course due to them keep eating, you know, processed Mm -hmm. food, sugar, flour, and processed food. And, um, at, at one meeting I go to sometimes, you know, some of the old timers, Mm -hmm. I'm an old timer there and and they're (laughs) old timers. They said, Oh, thank God you're here. Now we can talk about food. (laughs) <laughs> sugar, they use the word sugar and we joke because you know uh, but you know i'll always um when i share when i go to meetings i share my journey i am a sugar addict that became an alcoholic and a nicotine mm. addict because i think we should talk about that and not say mm-hmm. alcoholism drug addiction yes. pill addiction nicotine addiction that's very dangerous because okay. There is nobody that has one outlet today. We have addiction interaction disorder. And one thing you have to know, and I wrote that in my first book, 2004, that I see that alcoholics have sugar addiction before alcohol from childhood. Yes, I I lost 100 pounds three times. Oh, God. Three. The last time was 11 years ago. And I think one of the... Well, thank you. One of the reasons I think that I got into the alcohol so badly is I had a traumatic yeah. event and I was very hell bent on not going back to food. Yeah. And yeah. then I found that alcohol could do the same thing for Ooh, me that the food could do. So I've never yeah. regained that hundred pounds again yeah. for the fourth time. Thank God. Thank God I've been able to keep the weight off for this last, yeah. you know, 11 years or so, but congratulations. That well, thank That's you. Big. That's big. <laughs> you know, I know that journey. Yes, it's, it's hard, but you know, the thing is that I, it was so insidious how that, that addiction just snapped right over. over. It know? took over. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I know so many yeah. people working with, uh, you know, uh, this addiction interaction disorder. And of course the most common is sugar, flour, processed food and alcohol, mind yes. you. And, yes. You know, and so when we do the sugar uh, evaluation instrument. We see, I've just coached one of my students in the class right now. Both her clients had uh, food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, what I see, what, what shocks me is that you talk about the 12 step groups, you know, support groups that they have a lot of junk food like AA, yes. well, alcoholics, drug addicts, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, one thing I see that scares me even more is that keto people, low carb keto people oh, are yeah. so in love with alcohol and yeah. get so much consequences. Yeah. Uh, to me, oh, yes. if I were, if I were to, to talk about low carb keto, I would say alcohol is not part of the food plan. How would you ever think? Right. Yeah. If you want to, to have health, you know, uh, because it's uh, brain is a nerve toxin. And yes. it stops the, the fat metabolism in your liver, even in small amounts. So, I mean, you eat low-carb keto and then you drink. I mean, hello. Yep. It's yep. like, you know, putting the fire down here and burning it down here. Exactly. But you know, did you ever read the book, The Hidden Addiction by Janice Keller Phelps? Hmm. I, would, I haven't read I that, would no. Like, no, I dedicated my last book to her. 
She was an oh, American okay. doctor and she wrote this book, I think 86, 87, 89, maybe. I read it in the beginning of the 90s and I'm shocked. She worked with alcoholics and she saw this mm. thing with sugar, the hidden addiction is sugar that were before alcoholism. But, you know, she was really uh, put down and not taken serious. Mm. So whenever I get yeah. a chance, I try to really raise her. So I dedicated my last book, The Sugar Bomb 3.0, to her and to John Jadkin. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's just huge that you say that, you know, sugar addiction comes before the, the alcohol addiction for most people. And I feel like if you say that in a recovery meeting, people actually get... Uh, very defensive. And they'll say stuff like, oh, well, you can't get pulled over for overeating. You know, it's not, they just kind of downplay it and talk about it as though it's not a deadly thing. And as though it doesn't really, what? yeah, it doesn't take over your that, life. I've that been, is so rude and, and ignorant and arrogant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can be pulled over because you have a diabetes attack caused by sugar addiction. And you pass out and you kill somebody. Hey, come on, you know. Exactly. Uh, I, could, I, could, I could tell about 20 such incidents, uh, you know, where, you know, sugar addiction causes the most crazy consequences. And the interesting thing, I used to, when I was doing clients for many, many years, you know, running groups, uh, I had alcohol and drug counselors come to do a study visit, like they were thinking, Oh, this is a minor addiction. This is not so bad. Yeah. And they heard the clients tell about their consequences. It blew their mind. Mm -hmm. So if you say like that, you never ever read about or heard about the consequences you get. And I think that sugar addiction is the worst addiction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, alcoholics and drug addicts just want to hit me, but hear me out. They didn't start drinking and doing drugs when they were one, two, three, four years old. And mm -hmm. uh, the reason they are alcohol and drug addicts is because they were having such foggy brain from the sugar and flour. So they didn't know what they did when they started doing alcohol and drugs. Mm. I mean, that's more the truth. See? Yeah. So when they quit alcohol and drugs, they, they defend sugar. Oh, with, yeah tooth and nail, don't take that baby from me because yeah. they're not ready to go really drug free. And yeah. that's going to cause a lot of problems. But, you know, if you look at sugar addiction, it's the earliest exposure of any addiction and it's continuous exposure. We yeah. constantly have to battle craving. Yes. And if you know yeah. addiction memory circuit and euphoric recall, if you understand those mechanisms, we are bombarded with smells, with sight, with, with the drug. And people say, oh, you can have a little bit, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, have it in moderation. Oh, I, get, That's... I, I get almost uh, hot when I think about it. When they, <laughs> the resistance we're meeting. Oh, I know, I, you know, I know. Yeah. And one thing I heard you, I heard you on an interview earlier today, I listened to, and this is how it always was with me and alcohol that, you know, when I pick up the drink, I'm strapping myself onto the back of a runaway train and I have no idea when that thing is going to stop. And food I realized after, you know, finding the carnivore diet and getting off the sugar and really looking at uh, food addiction and alcohol addiction as the same thing for me, um, yep. that I, I know if I, 
go and have a little bit of something, it's the same. I'm going to be on that runaway train again. And I have no idea how and when it's going to stop, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Because uh, willpower cannot uh, rule your uh, reward center. So once you get it in, it's like, you know, if you're highly, highly allergic, I mean, um, if people that die from one peanut, it's sort of that, but you know, it is what we do with ourselves from that one drink, one pill, one bite. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people- Loss of control. Yep. Zero. And there's no bottom line. You don't care who you hurt. You know, it was, I'm still with my husband. He's been with me for 15 years through all of this. And the thing that was very scary for him was that when I was drinking, um, I would hide it. I would lie about it. And he said, I would get this glazed over look that he could tell when I was lying. He could tell if I had been drinking or taking something. And the thing that was really difficult for him when I actually quit drinking and and got sober was that I was doing the same thing with food and I would lie to him about going in the kitchen and sneaking a little bit bite of food and going in the bedroom and eating this. And he said, I had the same look in my eyes, the same glazed over look with the food as I did with the alcohol. So it was like post-traumatic stress disorder for him to have to watch me go through the same thing with food. And I just don't think people really understand how serious um, and how deep that food addiction goes, you know? You're not there. Your kids see it. I've had- Oh, yes. I've talked to kids seeing that mommy is in another world or daddy or, you know, I can't connect with them. They're not with you. They're not here and now. So it's exactly the same. And people that don't want to understand that they either are addicts, sugar addicts themselves. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to defend the drug. And I tell you, if there's anything in this world, people will defend that particular drug because it's more obvious that you smell from alcohol, but you can hide sugar and flour more so they can defend it to death. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So it's a very, very, very powerful addiction. Yeah. It has all the consequences like the others. Yeah, it does. Yeah. The, the yeah. lying, the hurting your family, oh, the yeah. stealing, yes. the losing money. And yeah, it's, it's sad. Um, you have a very deep love relationship with, with food. Yes. So you exclude others. There is yes. no intimacy. Yeah. You yeah. I don't the drug. Yeah. I would, I would do anything I could to try to leave somewhere early so I could go home and actually eat what I wanted to eat. You know, it's like, you never want to, and I did the same thing with alcohol. It's like, you you don't really want other people to see you doing that, but when you're home all by yourself alone, isolated, you know, cause it's a very isolating disease. uh, You have whatever you want, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, you can make start a fight or pretend you're sick so you can go home and hide alone to eat. And I remember one evening when I was, you know, have made my favorite big plate of the, the you know, the ice cream uh, yes. with all kinds of junk on. I used to call that my fat pill. It was huge. <laughs> I mean, huge. It would have been for five people or something. So I make that and I'm, you know, almost, you know, so excited to get to be alone and sit and eat that. And somebody comes ringing on the door. Oh, no. I mean, you want to you want to just scream and, you know throw them out as a who's coming you have to hide it in the cupboard you don't know how fast you're going to get rid of them oh yeah horrible i mean there's so many sick situations like that 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's oh, so, it's yeah. sad, you know, it's, yes, it's, yes. it's just a sad and depressing place to be. And I absolutely. see uh, yeah. so many people just really suffering. Um, well, and I wanted family. to. Hmm? And families. And families. Yeah. yeah it affects addiction is a family disease. You know, it oh, started always, my always. family, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and then my mother was obese yeah. and just a major food addict. So we had it on both. And so I was like, yeah, he's the bad one. Cause he's doing all the alcoholic stuff, but you know, yeah. we're being picked up from school and sorry, dad's, you know, not here, but here's moon pie and RC Cola, you know, and it's oh, like yeah. just yeah, yeah. dedicated with food yeah. constantly and comforted yeah. by it. And yeah. 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 My mom was a smoker, but I don't, other than that, my parents was not into, you know, alcohol or food. Yeah. Uh, But I had it all around in others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, I know that you've been on a journey with food. You've been sober from alcohol, but the journey with food, how, and I I understand now you're a little bit more uh, keto or high fat, um, can we talk carnivore. about that? Keto carnivore. Keto carnivore. Yeah. Yeah. I do carnivore sometimes, but yeah. not every day, but you know, sometimes I do a little bit keto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm low, uh, you could say strict low carb. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you got there. Did you start kind of more like gray sheeters and then moved? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had a food plan. We had some grains, you know, the brown rice. Uh, we took away, uh, you know, like candy and cookies and sugary stuff like that. But we had fruit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the food plan. And we had low fat in the beginning. Not so much fat. We were very scared with that. Mm. And starchy veggies. Uh, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, good protein anyway, but it was more like a combination of that and lots of veggies. Mm. And I've never been a fruit and veggie person. I've never liked fruit and veggies. So it was to have to eat that. Mm. So, uh, you know, even when I was a kid, I rather had bacon, you know, than fruit or veggies. Yeah, I always loved that. So anyway... But that's what we ate. So, and, and also remember one food plan, I, I don't remember exactly what the name of it, but it was no spices, no flavors. It was tuna fish and eggs and veggies, cold, cold green veggies. I mean, you know, you last about a day on that. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh horrible, horrible. Uh, but, you know, it, this is, there was no nutritional advice, no, no science behind this, mm-hmm. nothing in the beginning. Yeah. All we had was all these food plans made by all kinds of different peoples in programs. And they were all very different because that was what fitted that person. Mm. So, but early on, you know, I had, uh, you know, the grace to know people in, in integrative functional medicine and orthomolecular medicine field. And they work with, you know, trying to find the right sort of food for the right person. Basically, what they talked about was biochemical individuality. Mm. And being a nurse, you know, you're not trained in that way in my generation. Today we are, but, you know, they are. Uh, But it was more like, you know, any person with this diagnosis take the same pills, sort of. Uh, you didn't talk a lot about biochemical individuality. And it was when I found a lot of books and stuff about that and thinking that, I mean, everybody has different uh, fingerprints. Of right. course, you know, we're not the same on the inside. So I read this book that was written, I think, 1956, um, uh, about biochemical individuality. And that 
oh, we don't have the same shape on the liver. We don't, no. you know. So that made me start thinking, wait a minute, everybody can't eat the same food. So right. something is wrong with all these food plants that everybody's supposed to, to stick to. Uh, I felt something was wrong and people keep relapsing and didn't feel well and they have all kinds of health problems and all that. So, and we thought we treated candida. I can see today it was, you know, too much veggies uh, and fruit, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Microbiome. But anyway, so slowly, but surely, but it wasn't until, uh, and I had some major relapses before 2005. I think I, I'm not, 20 years ago when I went into menopause. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I wanted a bathtub filled with chocolate at that time. I would <laughs> want it to stay there and never get out of there. That's how it felt. And it was <laughs> hell to get up. I mean, hell yeah. to get up. Um, and I met Terry Gorski and I started to learn about relapse and also at the same time about amino acids and about the brain. And, you know, it came pieces from here and there and being so curious, of course, I had to, you know, look at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, insulin, and we started to take in more being a nurse, you know, I thought, uh, you know, there's a lot in Sweden, anyway, uh, psychosocial thinking is very big. That's sort of the cost mm. of everything, you know. Mm. Uh, and I felt that was wrong, uh, because yeah. Terry gave me biopsychosocial, spiritual, bio, physical. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, of course, I thought the body's so neglected. What is happening to the brain? I started to study the brain. Yes. And I thought, wait a minute, uh, where do you get material? How does brain cells, uh, how are they made? Yeah. What are they made from? And, you know, I met this dietitian. This is many years ago. And she taught me about, uh, you know, oils and fat in the brain and, something I heard in nursing school a long time ago, but didn't pay attention to the food. Mm. And I started looking at, you know, how many seeds and nuts and oils and grains that have omega-6, which mm -hmm. your body can't convert to omega-3. Mm -hmm. You know, there were pieces like that coming. So anyway, uh, that made me think, you know, wait a minute, something is screwy here. We need to focus more on the body, the physical part. And basically... I used to joke and say, you can't go to the hardware store to buy stuff for your brain. Right. You can't eat it. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of what it started with. And, you know, uh, our bodies need animal protein and animal fat. And probably I get a vegan killing me tonight, but, you know, that's no, where they, they'll that. come to my, they'll come to me first. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the carnivore yogi. That's the other oh, thing I didn't God, tell you before God. I started. How dare you? That's yeah. my name. That's my handle yeah. is carnivore good yogi. Good for you. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I just want to pause for a moment to thank my sponsor, Thrive, T-H-R-Y-V-E. As I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, I have been doing my own gut healing protocol and using the Thrive test as a marker to see if what I'm actually doing is working. So... Again, you'll want to tune into my YouTube channel to get the full story on this. But if you're interested in testing out to see the health of your gut, to see what's actually going on, you can use my link and get 50% off. It is www.trythrive.com backslash carnivore yogi. You'll get 50% off by using that link. They will also give you a recommended 
list of foods now you can choose to follow a keto diet using these recommended list of foods which is what I have done I have not added in anything else that is not keto but it is a very helpful place to start with when you are interested in possibly reintroducing food so thanks again for Thrive for sponsoring this episode and let's you know I said it. many years ago when I was working with clients quite maybe 15 years ago I will not work with vegans because yeah. you cannot get them healthy period they, if they refuse to eat uh, animal protein and animal fat, it, you know, you lose it. Well, I, you know, they just don't to interject. They, they have no connections. I was vegan for two years because I am a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yeah, yoga sure. for over okay. a decade. And I was vegan for two years. It was the most depressed I've ever been. And guess what happened after two years of vegan? I relapsed and drank alcohol again. After oh, four, yeah, I, had, yeah, I had four years sober course, and, and course. I drank again, you know, thank yeah. by the grace of God, I have four years again now, but I was drinking yeah. uncontrollably for a year and it directly, oh, it yeah. directly followed yeah. two years vegan. They eat so much processed fake horrible. food and shit. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. It destroy their bodies and their souls and yeah. their mind. Yeah. So, but anyway, I did that long time ago. And then 2005, there was a doctor in Sweden, female doctor, Annika Dahlqvist. Uh, I admire her a lot. She, by coincidence, somehow, she found out about, you know, what was uh, then called Atkins. We call it mm -hmm. low carb today. And she started walking around talking about that and telling about, and I thought, oh God, we don't have to eat all that fruit and scuss. I can eat butter. <laughs> I can eat lot. I love butter. I, I, I can oh, me eat too. by the spoons. I can eat by the spoons. You should see my plate now with the meat and butter. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> so we started doing that. But I would say, you talk about my food trip. Mm, so that yes. was the next step. That's what was, then we really turned away from all the fruit and the, you know, then it was just low carb, mm -hmm, above mm -hmm. ground veggies, lots of good fats, and of course, good protein, all kinds of good animal protein. So we started to eat that. But what I found out on myself and many others was that all the dairies, like mm -hmm. whipped cream and cheese, oh, yes. and uh, a lot of people in the low carb, especially those with harmful use, they are not addicts, you know? Okay. Right. So, but the addicts, they could not stick to the food plan. They started relapsing after a while and they started overeating. It's like, you know, you want whipped cream and raspberry every mm. evening instead yeah. of occasionally in the beginning. And, you know, that's a sign that something is screwy when you start, you know, uh, start going to five stores to buy raspberries. So people won't see how much raspberry you buy and you do the same with the whipped cream. And I mean, come on, we, we joke a lot about these things. Yep. Yeah. You, you hide cheese, you know, in your garage, uh, in the car and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, <laughs> so those are a product that, we realized people could not, most of the addicts, I would say 70, maybe more percent of an addict cannot have in their food plan because they're gonna, <clears throat> they uh, risk high, the high risk for relapse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they talk about the casein, the milk protein <clears throat> yes. and uh, casomorphines. And also uh, maybe it reminds too much about gooey food you know, comfy yeah. gooey food. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess it could be several reasons. But one thing I know that today, 
And, you know, for me, keto is simple. Keto is taking away those dairy products. Keep the butter mm -hmm. and the ghee and yeah. eat protein and above uh, uh, ground veggies. You don't have to measure and be fanatic yeah. about the keto all the time. But I make it that simple. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that's been my journey. And then a couple of years ago, uh, uh, before that, I started because I love you know, protein. And mm -hmm. I've never been a veggie uh, person. As I told you, even when I was a kid, we have to force eat the veggies because it was so healthy. Yes. <laughs> 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 anyway, you know, uh, and after having to eat all those veggies on the type uh, GSA or whatever food plan we were on, you know, I was so happy to not have to do that. Uh, so I'd rather eat, you know, bacon with bacon and the side order of bacon than I eat veggies. <laughs> You know, if I were to choose. But anyway, uh, so I was so happy about that. So I sort of just, you know, slipped into it and I felt a little bit naughty in the beginning. Oh, I didn't yeah. eat veggies. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good. And then uh, after that, I met, I started to have clients, former clients of mine, that started to write to me and said, you know, God, I feel so good in this. And I feel beautiful. So I've never felt this well since I started carnivore. My IBS is gone and this and that mm -hmm. is gone and all kinds of symptoms is gone. And I go, wow, this is amazing. So I got very curious, but I'm not hardcore. You know, I don't, don't yeah. eat nose to tail or I don't do all that kind of stuff. And I don't eat raw liver. Uh, yeah. I know somebody do and I go, oh, God. Uh, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> I cook my protein. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love all kinds of protein, but lamb, uh, red meat, pork, uh, fish, you know, I eat all those. I'm not, chicken is okay, but I, I never liked chicken. Yeah. So I don't have to eat it. I can yeah. eat bacon instead. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. the, the biggest thing about it, I feel, um, which I definitely want to segue and talk about a little bit is the, sure. the freedom that I feel a lot of, um, um, food addicts get when they do carnivore or just a high fat keto. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I'm seeing that kind of is troublesome to me is that people almost get this false sense of security. Um, and then a lot of the keto gurus and the, the big people out there act as though keto or carnivore is kind of a cure. Oh, um, I said, oh yeah. I love what you say now. I love yeah. that. That yeah. was, That's what they said to me in the, uh, that's why I called Andrea Senfeld, diet doctor, and really yes. told and gave him a little beating because he <laughs> and his people said that, that if they only eat low carb, they'd be cured. Yeah, yes. And I said, well, you know nothing about addiction. And that's been the reason I've gone so much into the keto carnivore or low carb field is because I see that they don't understand addiction. I call yeah, them yeah. a little bit top heavy. They think they understand it up here, but addiction is a shape-shifting ghost that you have to understand in your solar plexus. And I that's what chills. I do. I, <laughs> I yeah, just got I chills so. when you said that. So. Yes. So. Uh, that's my uh, line of work today. I teach people what addiction is really about. And you'd be amazed when people wake up to understanding addiction. And I love that. I love to see when the coin pops, you know, and they go, yeah. oh, oh, and 
you know, something that really is bad for people going to the keto low carb community is mm-hmm. that they only teach about the food and body weight. Yeah. And I say that that's at most 10% of the whole toolbox. You need 90% more tools if you're going to recover from addiction. Yeah. hundred. I totally part. agree. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, you, you, it's, you can't treat it just with food or no, it's going to no, pop no. up in some other way. You know, you, you might find your food is medicine, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. that's what it is. Fuel, food is fuel yeah. and medicine. That's it. And then leave that. And then yeah. you have to take care of all the rest in your life. And yeah. that's huge. Yeah. 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 I'd love to hear a little more about that, how you help people and, and help them to kind of see that because I tell people, you know, you can do keto and carnivore in these diets, but then I see people get, uh, you know, addicted to fasting, um, addicted to calorie restriction, addicted to, uh, just being overly restrictive or over exercising. And, um, what kind of stuff do you see and how do you help people when they've, you know, come to you and said, I I know I have maybe an addiction problem. What is, what do you do? You know, I started working with clients, uh, 1995. Wow. And have, met thousands of clients and ran a a treatment center and intensive weeks and everything. So some years ago, about 2012, I started feeling that, you know, I'm too tired of clients. If if one more person asked me, what should I eat? I knock it down. It was on that, you know, I was sort of feeling like that. Yeah. So I thought, well, I need to educate, I need to train counselors. Yeah. So I started with that 2012. And I've done it since. And, you know, I, I constantly develop and, and expand that training. So we have a pretty advanced training today. Uh, and, uh, but when I work with clients and now I teach my students to work in this way, mm. first of all, you know, it is biopsychosocial, spiritual consequences of the addiction, but the addiction comes first. Mm. So one of the things that I train people is to see that addiction is a primary illness. It's not caused by something. Yeah. That's a big blow to a lot of people. Yeah. So you have to understand that. And that's hard to take in. You can have a lot, you can have a, the happiest childhood in the world. You could have the worst childhood in the world. Both can be addicts, but addiction is not caused by something. Mm. So that's why you have to be a very specially highly trained professional to deal with addiction if you really mm-hmm. want to help somebody. Yeah. Because you have to teach them to put the horse in front of the wagon. Most people put the wagon in front of the horse and start dealing with you know, what they think is causing it, which is actually consequences. Mm. That messes the whole uh, treatment program up totally. Mm. You know, you're starting in the wrong direction. And you have to understand that this is a brain illness. Yeah. It's here and here. Mm. You know, it's not in your eyes, your mouth, your nose, your stomach. It's not in your weight. If you're skinny or overweight or not. So uh, you have to start healing the brain. And that's what I tell my clients. Uh, First of all, I help them dare see that they are addicts. Because mm-hmm. if you're an addict and you get the wrong diagnosis, you're off for the worst wrong detour ever. And you're going to just be sicker. Yeah. You have to embrace it. You have to own it. 
That's the only way to heal, to, to go into recovery, to be able to say, I'm an addict yeah. and not feel shame, you know, because you understand it's an illness. You didn't cause it. Yes. Very important. Yes. Okay, so we start there. Then I teach people about the brain, the word center, neurotransmitters, reptilian brain, limbic system, neocortex, prefrontal cortex. How is it supposed to work? And why isn't mine working? And how do I rewire it? I used to joke and say, it's like brain bypass. You know? when, yeah. you have, when you have a clotted vessel in your heart, you do a bypass, right? Yeah. We do bypass. Yeah. You know, and, and here, uh, you know, we use so many tools and I'm thinking about addicts want instant gratification. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So here we practice delayed gratification. Oh God. For you know, I don't have a lot of patience. I'm, you know, hot. I go fast. I walk fast. I think fast. Boo, boo, boo. But, you know, oh, practicing patience. Yes. I, you know, I see you are the similar, similar to me. Oh, yes. You know, when, and then I, I take them through this. And the first thing we do to accept addiction, know what addiction is, understand the disease concept, understand the brain. How do you heal your brain? What is the big toolbox for just healing your brain? Mm. Biochemical repair, conscious breathing, you know, sleep training, mm -hmm. physical activity, right? Yes. You know that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, and then uh, maybe supplements. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't drown people in supplements. I like less is more because yes. if you are an addict, your brain and your body is extremely sensitive. If you mm -hmm. overdo things, it backfires. Yes, every yeah. time. <laughs> every time, exactly, you got yeah. it. Oh, I did a liver detox a few months ago and it created a major situation oh, for no, my no, electrolytes. No, you know, you I know thought I need to do a castor oil detox. You know, I did a liver pack for three days in a row. One day would have been fine, but I had to go for three because I wanted of to course, be- because you're an addict. You exactly. Are, if one is good, 40 is better. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, just, yeah. And it threw my electrolytes off, it threw everything of off. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we yeah. have, that's I'll, the body of an addict is so sensitive yeah. and typically- yeah. That's why some, people, uh, when they become obsessed with weight or whatever, mm -hmm. salt shots or uh, amino acids or whatever thing they find that think that's going to fix them, yeah, they go bonkers and they yeah. get sicker. So yeah. they're on off, on off all yeah. the time instead instead of balance and stability. Yeah, and that's what's so, so important to teach them, you know. Yeah. And then the next thing you teach them is, of course, about the food mm -hmm. and what kind of fuel your body needs. And about, you know, metabolic dysfunction, extremely important, you know, mm -hmm. to teach them about that and, you know, how the body works and the organs and all that. And then uh, you need to start actually from day one, you need to teach them relapse prevention. Mm. You, and they say, well, you know, now when I understand I'm an addict, I'm not going to relapse. And oh, was, gosh. That's... <laughs> blue -eyed, blue -eyed. Come on, you know, you're very blue eyed. <laughs> and, so, and I said, you know, uh, I don't encourage you to plan relapses. Right. But, you know, if they happen, like any other chronic illness, we need more treatment. That's nothing strange. Yeah. Take any illness, cancer, multiple sclerosis, anything. It's a chronic il illness. It's going to go, you know, 
in remission and then come back and so forth. It doesn't yeah. mean that when you feel bad, when you have a period, a flare up, it doesn't mean you need to return to the drug, but you can feel lousy. You yeah. need to have a toolbox for what you do then. What yes. are you going to do? And you need to understand risk situation and warning signs. So those are the things I teach them. And, you know, uh, there is a long treatment chain and it's a lifelong treatment. Yes. It's a chronic illness. You don't so, graduate. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. We're not going to graduate. Uh, you yeah. know, we always work at it. So I teach them simple stuff like every morning, you know, I say to myself, okay, I call my illness the red dog and my health department <laughs> blue dog. And they like to fight. The red dog is very sneaky, cunning, baffling, <laughs> powerful, and very yes. patient, you know. So it can whisper, you know, silly things in my ear. And, you know, like, oh, you've been such a good girl. Shouldn't <laughs> be good with, you know, something like that. Yes. And so this is something I learned early, early on in my recovery. I said, okay, sounds like a good idea, you know, to do that. But you know what? We're not going to do it today. Mm, I love that. Every yes. morning or every day, every day. No, I don't have to say that because I don't have craving every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. when I have a craving or it want to lead me on some crazy loop to get to something, yeah, uh, I, I say that, you know, well, good yeah. idea. I don't fight because, you know, yeah. if you start fighting, that's when you lose. You lose energy and that's very mm -hmm. dangerous. So you just say, sure, babe, that sounds fun, but not today. Yeah. And yeah. that's the commitment. And then, you know, every morning I say, no matter what's going to happen today, I'm going to stick to my food plan. Yeah. So I made that decision in the morning. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. when I go to bed, I say thanks for all the things that I learned or happened to me or, you know, whatever. And I try to see, you know, is this something I could have done different? Yeah. Yeah. So I, if I learn something, I love to learn new things. So, you know, so that's sort of the basic, simple program that I do. Mm. And I, I love to talk to other people in recovery programs. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, you meet somebody like now with you, it is so easy to talk. Yes. It's like we don't really, we could sit and hang over a cup of coffee. Yeah. And, you know, we would just didn't have to talk a lot because we know. Yes. And I love that connection. So I think it's extremely important to hook up with recovering people that are ahead of you. Yes. And, you know, because they told me in the beginning, if you see somebody that has what you have, do as they did. Yes. So follow in their footsteps. And I did. Yeah. So. I agree. It's, you know, and my uh, red dog, I guess, likes me to get yeah. very upset about things that I have no Ooh. control over. You know, that <laughs> that's the big, that's one of the ones for me, because I've realized that if I, um, or the red dog, I guess you would say realizes that if I'm upset enough about something and worried about something enough that I have no control over, that I'm going to have to seek out some comfort some way. Yeah. yeah um, right. Yeah. But a, a person in recovery we learn to have these tools. My tools are the people in my network, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and praying meditation, all these things yeah, just and yeah. delaying that and letting go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The surrender is number yeah. one. And asking, you know, can I fix that? No. So mm -hmm. let go. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And also worrying. I thought about one thing, uh, saying I have to, well, I cross that bridge when I come there. Yes, <clears throat> exactly. There's nothing yeah. we can do about it right now. No, so let's let go. Exactly. That's hard. Let go or be dragged is a magnet I keep on my refrigerator because I have to <laughs> I have to be reminded how much longer do you want to be dragged around by this yeah, stuff right, that you just right. can't do anything about. Yeah. So scratch marks all over the place. So yeah, I know. I absolutely. Know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I well, wanted it's hard to describe the whole treatment uh, model, yeah. you know, in the short, but basically you could say that it is like a primary part, you know, where you go through a lot of pain maybe to realize what's happened to you uh, during your life and you need to start healing but you know focus a lot on the biochemical healing in the beginning you know physically strong mm. and also get the energy back yeah because then you can deal with stuff yeah don't try to solve a lot of stuff when your energy is very low and you're very unstable so that's yeah. one advice i have and then you go in and work with, you know, whatever you need, all kinds of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's forever. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. But it's one day at a time. It is a hundred percent. It yes, is. And right. you just can't rush it. And, yeah. you know, the typical thing with anyone who is, in my experience has addiction is like, we want to have 10 years of sobriety in five minutes. We, we want to be, we want to be down the road. We want to be recovered to where we don't yeah. need this stuff. But yeah. I think I lose, lose 40 kilos yeah. you know, in three weeks, in a week. Yeah. yeah. In a week. Yeah. 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 That's and, and you know, the thing is too, uh, I like to also say that a lot of people going to recovery is so serious. It's like everything they enjoy doing is an addiction. Mm -hmm. They start seeing addiction ghosts. Don't call everything an addiction. That's dangerous. It's going to you know, ruin the, the diagnosis to yeah. me, which is a very serious, deadly diagnosis. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everything that you like and enjoy doing is not addiction. Remember to learn how to distinguish between passion mm -hmm. and addiction. Yeah. We can have a lot of passion and we should do that for certain things. Yeah. And, and you know, enjoy life and have a good sense of humor. That yeah. is something that's very important for me to laugh. Yes. I like to laugh every day. Yes. So that's part of my healing process. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one other question I had for you. Uh, I've talked to Anna, I think Fruling is how I pronounce her last yeah, name. Fruling, yeah. um, yes. And she showed me this, I think it's called a sugar. It's a chart, yes. which, yes. and yes. if I wanted to see if you could touch on that a little bit, cause I, when she showed that to me, it was very, I just kind of made everything make a lot more sense, uh, with relapse yeah. prevention. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, that's something that every person with these problems should have done on them. And the equivalent for alcohol, pills and drugs is called ADIS, Alcohol and Drug Diagnostic Instrument. And sugar, you know, is uh, <clears throat> sugar use general uh, uh, assessment recording. Mm. So it is uh, based on an American tool actually by a man called Norman Hoffman, it's called SADS. Mm -hmm. You can look it up uh, at evinceassessment.com. Okay. Uh, and it is a diagnostic tool based on DSM-5 uh, mm -hmm. here and then developed in Sweden to add this. And from add this, we, I made sugar uh, some years ago uh, because I used to add this from 1990 on alcoholics and drug addicts. And I saw the power test for somebody to really see 
this is what's going on. Mm. You know, I can't yeah. close my eyes. I can't deny it anymore. I can't fool around. I am addicted, period. I mm. need to start dealing with my life. So that's when I did sugar. And, you know, it's based on ICD-10 and DSM-5, the international uh, criteria or diagnostic criteria for pathological use, which mm. is addiction. And it reveals your whole life. Mm. From the first time, you know, you started having a craving or longing for sugar until today. So you see your whole life uh, mapped out and the progression of the illness and the, we see the consequences and the weight curve if there is a problem with weight. Mm. And if you have other outlets, we screen for that, you know, uh, to see if there is like gambling or alcohol or affairs. Or, <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we ask a lot of questions anyway. And yeah. it is as of today, I think the best motivational tool anyone can get done. You don't, because you know, the red dog wants you to think, oh, maybe I'm sugar addicted. No, I'm not addicted. I can eat these things. I just have to have better control or use a different approach or yes. you know, I'm going to switch from whiskey to gin. That's better, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yes. But, but here, uh, I mean, years go by and you are going on like that. I'm not, I am, I do have a problem. No, I don't have a problem because Red Dog wants you to stay to the, don't want you to lose the drug. The aim of the addiction is to kill you in the end and it doesn't want to lose the drug. So anything yeah. you do and say during the active years is protecting the drug. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, here, you know, the truth is up. And as you say, you know, uh, the, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to get you pissed off or mm -hmm. angry or whatever. And so that's what it's all about. And so it's extremely motivational uh, and it it helps you to know which way to take mm -hmm. because you know so that you know I don't work with eating disorders uh, at all but people that work with eating disorders and many people that help people with food problem put them on a moderation yes that's what I was going to talk to you about and is... that's the most stupid thing I've heard in all my life they know oh. nothing about the body and the brain yeah you can never, that's like saying to a heroinist, well, okay, let's try to have a little bit of heroin on Saturday. Every Saturday <laughs> at 2 p.m., you're going to have a little bit of heroin. I mean, good luck with that one. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it, exactly the same. So yeah. that's why it's so important to use this tool because here you know, do you have a harmful use or are you addicted? Mm. And if you have harmful use, fine, go to somebody that play with moderation therapy. I only work with addicts. I yeah. always said that. I'm not interested in working with the others. They can yeah. buy a cookbook as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know? yeah. But anyway, I love working with addicts because that's a totally different ball game. It's a deadly disease. It is. It's not to fool around with. Yeah. And it is 100% abstinence-based therapy and nothing else will work in the long run. Yeah. And what do you say to people, I guess, just to kind of close the conversation is, you know, someone who hears this and says, how can I stay away from these foods, you know, forever? That sounds so daunting. And I just can't imagine uh, not being able to eat at, you know, so-and-so's wedding or this event or the holidays, um, you know, what, and you know that they are definitely an addict, you know, what's this, what would you say to that person? Please get a toolbox. 
please let us do do give yourself a toolbox because I promise you, once you have help from a professional that's going to teach you how to do this, mm-hmm. it's very easy. Yeah. It's actually very easy. It's not complicated. And Red Dog wants you to think this. How can I yes. ever go? You know, the Red Dog is your enemy inside of your head telling you all this shit because he wants yeah. you to get sick and die. So, you know, get somebody that can talk back, that can teach you to talk back to your own Red Dog so that mm-hmm. you're going to have the greatest life you can ever have. Why become sick? That's how simple it is. I agree. Yeah. That's wonderful. So much uh, wonderful wisdom and and things. What can people do if they want to take your training program? How can they find you? What's the best way to do that? Okay. I just added today the new training for this year on my website. Mm -hmm. So if you go in there and you see professional training and you go to HAM, which is Holistic Addiction Medicine, there is a PDF you can download which I added today. So it's the latest or send me an email and I send you information back. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes. So people know where to find you and they can look into those resources. But thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been absolutely amazing and wonderful. So much fun. (laughs) Thank you for what you're doing and sharing about you and you know, that there is hope and joy in life. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as I did recording it. As I mentioned that Bitten Johnson was probably one of my favorite guests that I've interviewed thus far. So please, if you have a chance, head on over to Apple, leave me a five-star review and a comment. I would love to hear from you. would love to hear if there are any other topics or guests that you want me to interview here on the show. I have some amazing guests coming up in the next few weeks. I know you guys are really going to enjoy the information and use all this stuff as a resource. So as I really always encourage my listeners to figure, you know, test things out for yourself. Here are some resources. Here's some things that might help you. So thank you again to Thrive for sponsoring the podcast today. If you guys are interested in getting that gut microbiome test, my link will be in the show notes, but you can go ahead, just type it in. It's www.try thrive.com backslash carnivore yogi and thanks again for tuning in for listening for being a subscriber and i will talk with you guys in the next episode